Ciao ragazzi! This is Katie Portanova, and you're listening to Florence and Me. I'm a lover of stories and all things Italian, and I'm going to bring you all that in this podcast. My intention is to inspire you to step out of your comfort zone and explore life and travel the world. Join me as I tell you my story and many others about Italy and my love, Florence. Andiamo! Ciao! Katie's back. Another episode is here. Finally, I'm going to talk about Brunelleschi's dome in Florence. Um, I've been hinting at it the past few weeks, and finally, I'm going to give you all the history and the dates and all the cool things about it, because it's just a magnificent sight. If you've never been, come with me on one of my retreats, or I'll help plan you a trip, wherever, whatever feels good for you. Um, just a couple things to note. Um, my Tuscan Wine Club is getting a lot of buzz. So if you are interested at all, the link, um, I'll put it in the notes of this episode um, to join the waitlist because um, we're going to drop it. It's going to launch in January of next year. Um, there'll be four shipments from four different vineyards, three bottles from each vineyard. So that's 12 bottles in total. I have a payment plan. If the full price, um, the full price, the one price at the beginning of the year is too much. There's always a payment plan. So please head over to my website, trulyitaly.tours, um, backslash Tuscan wine club, I believe. Um, or just go to my main page. It's there. Um, really excited about it. Um, going to visit a couple of them in September with a group of people, one of my retreats. I'm very excited and yeah, fabulous. And the other thing is, remember, if you are starting to plan maybe for 2023 for a trip to Florence, a trip to Tuscany, I am your gal. Okay. I can help you out. I can get you to, um, small places to visit, small towns, I can get you with the tour guide. Um, I am partnering partnering with another travel agent slash tour guide who does um, day-long trips to the Chianti, to Siena, to San Gimignano. So if anything like that is something that you're interested in, please, please contact me on my um, trip consulting page on trulyitaly.tours and I'll hook you up be excited. I'm getting really, really into it. I've got a few clients that I'm working with now, just kind of dabbling. They're, they're planning something for 2023. So yeah, it doesn't hurt to just reach out. Okay. I, I love, love, love everything about Italy. I will give you contacts. I will book things for you if you need that. Um, but yeah, I'm here for you. Those of you that are like, okay, it's been almost two, three years, almost three years since the pandemic. I'm ready to travel again. Let's do it. 2023, right? Okay. So, Bonoleschi's Dome, or the Duomo, is the church in Florence. We'll jump right in. The Dome in 
in Florence is basically if you've never been to Florence, if you just look up Florence on the internet, I mean, that is the symbol of Florence, is this beautiful dome, this beautiful church in the middle of the city center. And yeah, it screams Renaissance. It screams just, just incredible craftsmanship, craftsmanship that I've anybody's ever seen. So let's jump in, okay? So this beautiful dome was not technically an easy job. <laughs> Filippo Brunelleschi was the sculptor slash architect slash, I don't know, I want to call him like every type of artistic word because he created this out of nothing. Um, it was built between 1420 and 1436. It is 45.5 meters of diameter around and a total height of more than 116 meters. Now I know I'm speaking to a lot of Americans, but I'll let you guys look that up. I didn't want to look that up. So the meters and whatever. Um, this was, this the Cathedral of Florence, which is called Santa Maria del Fiore, uh, Fiore, yeah, Fiore, it was consecrated by Pope Eugene in 1436 when it was finished. Um, yes. So the structure itself is not supported by anything, really. <laughs> That's why it was like a complete innovation of Filippo's to create this. And I remember when I first came to Florence in 20, um, 2002, I always like to say 2002, I don't know. Um, I was just flabbergasted at how enormous it was and also how, um, how one would actually then also create the stairs that go up to the top of the dome. I don't even know how that happened because there's 462 stairs, I think, or 482, I can't remember, but it's a lot of stairs to get to the top of the dome, which is a little kind of like, um, gazebo I would say like obviously you can't go on to the top of the dome but you just stay in that little walled in area and take pictures and stuff it's um it's incredible if you haven't been to the top of the dome and you don't have any health conditions like you're not claustrophobic you don't have a health, heart condition um you don't have breathing difficulties because um I mean sad note like a few months ago I read that um an American did pass away going up the going up the stairs, so it's to be taken seriously because these stairs are very steep. It's a very tight space, um, and when I did it, I was in my twenties, so obviously I didn't claustrophobia. I wasn't nothing, but if you're an older person, just be aware. If you are thinking, "Oh my God, I want to do that," maybe shy away from it. Um, have somebody younger go up and take pictures for you because it is a beautiful view. Anyway, I digress. Um, so this major innovation was built um, without a supporting structure. So what does that mean? There, there was no scaffolding. There was nothing. Like, I don't know how this happened. Like, I don't know how it happened. I actually tried to look back to see if there was any type of rendering of what um, they did in the 1400s, but obviously, <laughs> I, 
I couldn't find anything. So the dome consists of two distinct domes. Okay, there's one internal, more than two meters thick, and then there's a deeper with a deep with a deeper angle angle. And then the other is consisting of large arches held together by ribs. And the ribs are the, the white marble that you see on the outside. That's what they mean by ribs. And and made by made of bricks arranged in a herringbone pattern. So those of you that are all about HGTV, you know what herringbone pattern is. Okay. The external dome is covered with terracotta tiles and marked by the eight white marble ribs, like I just said, um, on the outside. Okay, so again, no supporting structure. I again don't know how they did this. Um, the oculus of the dome is surmounted by a large lantern. So, okay, this is a big word. I'm reading it from one of the 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 actual Duomo website. So the top of the dome is a large, there's a large lantern, which is what I was telling you about. When you get to the top, when you walk to the top of those stairs, that's what they mean by lantern. It kind of looks like a lantern, to be honest. But I called it a gazebo. Um, it's a 21 meter high white marble tower, which was built after the death of Filippo in 1446. Um, and on the top of the, the lantern gazebo, um, there's a gold, golden copper ball. And then there's a cross on top of that. And that work was done by Andrea del Ferruccio. And it was placed there on, on, in 1471. Now, a funny little known fact about that copper ball um, there is a spot behind the Duomo, so not in front of the facade where the baptistry is, behind the Duomo. And if you ever come on a tour with me and a retreat with me, I will show you where this is. There is a big copper, uh, uh, what would I say, like a kind of like a, a tombstone, if you will, but it's just a big round copper gold, I don't know, um, circle inside the cobblestones on the ground. Um, on the other side, on the back side of the Duomo, on a stormy night in the 1600, 1600 exactly, January 17th, 1600, there was a huge storm and it was pouring rain, lightning. Um, and at a certain point, um, the ball was ripped off the support bracket, which was on top of where the, on top of the lantern. Okay. And it fell to the ground, into the cobblestones, like deep into the cobblestones. Um, no one was injured, thank goodness, because I think it was in the middle of the night. It doesn't say here. Um, I think it was, yeah, it was at night. Um, there was no damage to the ball itself. And it took another two years before the ball went back up to on, on top of the lantern, on top of the Duomo. Um, and then it was, yeah, repositioned again in the summer of 1602. It might've maybe moved a little bit. I don't know. And so today you'll see this marble, actually not Scott, not gold. Why don't, I keep thinking it's gold because the ball is gold. Um, but it's actually a marble stone in the, in the cobblestones behind, um, the Duomo where the ball actually fell. Cause it just made a hole. I mean, it's, it's a golden ball. It made a huge hole. So makes sense. 
makes sense that it did that. Um, so yeah, it's a cool little tidbit. Um, so the, um, and then more than 100 years later, between 1572 and 1579, the internal, um, inside the Duomo, um, if you look up when you're inside the church and you look up, it was painted by Giorgio Varsario, Varsari, uh, Vasari and, uh, Federico Zuccari and with an enormous last judgment. Um, so, and it's one of the largest murals in the world. This is um, according to duomo.firenze.it. Um, yeah, so it's beautiful inside and it's also beautiful outside, especially the facade as well, it's beautiful. Um, Giorgio Versari, another little known fact, he created the Versari Corridor um, that goes from the Uffizi Gallery to the Pitti Palace or the Palazzo Pitti, which was made for the Medici, the ruling family of Florence in the Renaissance, Renaissance time, um, made for them to walk above the city so they're not with the peasants. Yes, that is true. So they would walk all the way and would go right into their house. And again, if you're on a tour with me, I will show you exactly where it is. It's just, it's really a really cool thing to see, especially from the road. Because it's not really, especially after you pass the Ponte Vecchio, because you can see it right above the Ponte Vecchio. And then after you pass and you go to the Altrano, which is on the other side of the Arno River, you can't kind of miss it and you, you can't really see it in between some of the buildings, but then it actually walks through another church, which is another cool thing to see, um, Santa Felicita. Um, anyway, so yeah, so that's about the Duomo. Like, it's a really short story, but I think it's a cool one because there's nothing like it in the world. Um, there is something similar that um, I read up on recently. And the town is called Semifonte. Semifonte. So Semifonte is a very interesting story. Again, a very short one. This is why I chose to say it. Um, so Semifonte was once a very um, thriving city. Now, I don't have any pictures of it as, as it once was. But it was a walled-in city, from what I from what I've read, and during the twelfth um, century, it was destroyed after a siege by Florence. Okay, so in twelve o twelve o two, it was completely, you know, taken off the face of the earth. Meaning, during that time, Semifonte was right in the, it's right in the middle between Florence and Siena. And it looks over the Elsa Valley. So nearby there's um, Barberino Valdessa. And the remains of this town is in that city. So you can find Semifonte, but you won't find anything else but what I'm about to tell you. Um, so it's, it's at the intersection of two main routes on the Via Francigena, which is the, the, the how do I say, the, the pilgrimage path from Canterbury, England, to all the way to Rome. So this is Via Fragigena and Via Chiantigiana, which is on the, takes you to Tuscany, or takes you to, sorry, Chianti. Um, so 
during this time, it was a very um, specific city that needed to choose sides. Because at this time, in the 12th century, Florence and Siena were at war. Okay, so this city needed to choose which city they wanted to be for, okay, or be with or be or fight with. And um, they they chose wrong. This is what Lorenzo Lucci told told me the story. Uh, Casa Lucci, the, the winery we went to in, in June, he they chose wrong. And they should have went with Florence. And instead, they went with Siena. Now, Semifonte is very close to Florence, mind you. So you would have thought that maybe they would go with Florence, but they, they didn't. Um, so when the siege happened, they, they decided to create, um, basically exiled everybody from that city. They demolished it, anyone that survived, and nobody was ever able to build on the site again. Um... So, and then, oh, so the stone was transported to nearby Bavarino Faldelsa and used in 1204 to build walls that still stand today. So a lot of the, the, the stone was used for nearby towns to build up their walls on the sides, um, on their side. Um, so it's not until the 16th century that there was a commemorative chapel dedicated to St. Michael, which was built on the site of Semifonte. Um, so this chapel is an exact replica, almost, of Brunelleschi's dome. So again, going back to the dome, the Duomo. Um, it's a one-eighth scale replica of the dome, of Brunelleschi's dome. And um, so there's nothing really that remains um, in the city of Semifonte. Actually, if you look up Semifonte, it'll take you right to this chapel. There's nothing else around it. It's all like nature. <laughs> like there's nothing. Um, there's one tower of the Southern Gate, Porta San Nicolo, that's near, um, I believe, the chapel. Yeah. And there's buried remains that are nearby as well. Um, yeah. So it's kind of a cool, it's a cool story. Um, not really a cool story for the people that were living there at the time, but it's a very cool um, relic to see since it just stands alone. Um, and then I looked on, it's funny, funny story. So I looked on Google Maps to where it is and like how it looks and what is it, like how big it is and stuff. And you know how you can move the little guy, the little yellow guy to, to see the the actual road and what's around it. And there was a wedding going on there, like inside the chapel. I saw the wedding party and it's kind of cool. So people have their weddings there. Um, but yeah, another thing that I will, I plan on taking people that are interested um, to Semifonte because it's just an, it's a very um, unique story. Um, and what's left of that, of that town is just this replica of the Duomo, of the Brunelleschi's dome. Basically to say, haha, you chose wrong. Florence was the right choice. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's all I got for today. Um, I am really working hard on getting the word out there for other types of events if you live near me outside of Chicago. So 
you know, if you're on my email list, um, you're going to see some things that I'm going to be doing in the near future. And yeah, if you are, like I said, if you're planning a trip to Florence or planning a trip to Tuscany, I'm happy to help. I, I literally thrive on this. I love looking up new places to go. I love connecting to new, um, venues. And, um, even if you don't need a villa or a B and B or an agroturismo to, to stay in that you're just looking for activities, you know, reach out to me. I, I'd be happy to help. Um, they're all priced case by case basis. Um, I gave some examples on my website, um, of pricing and stuff. So yeah, that's, um, really what my passion has started to become more because I keep looking up more things for more people. <laughs> so I found a lot of cool things. And I'm creating great relationships thanks to everybody that's reaching out. I'm creating great relationships with the new vendors and new vineyards and new um, new people in Italy them as well. And those of you that don't know me personally, um, just so you know, I, me and my husband are planning on moving back, hopefully sooner rather than later, um, to Tuscany uh, because it's time we're just ready to go back. And, um, I miss it there. I really do. And yeah, so it's going to be my home once again, even though it's still my home in my heart. <laughs> um, I just can't wait to share more with, um, people that are looking for a change and something to immerse themselves into culture and into, into life. Cause it, you know, life is fleeting, you know, time is fleeting. It's nice to have um, a trip planned without the, you know, the headache of making sure you confirmed and, and making sure that, oh my God, did I, did I book the driver or did, did I, oh, did I forget to message back the, the tour guide? Like I could be that person for you and make sure everything's lined up. So you only live once, right? And might as well go on a trip that's worth your while and like that you've created with me but you've decided where you wanted to go. And, um, yeah, it'd be a, I would love to work with you. So I will let this end now. Allora, buonanotte, buonasera, buongiorno, wherever you are, wherever you're listening. And grazie. Thanks for listening. A presto. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao. I am beyond grateful for you listening to my podcast right now. I am so excited to share my journey of living abroad and all of my stories of Florence and Italy and all the places in between that I've visited. If this has reached you in any way and you would like to continue, please subscribe now. Also, go check out my website, trulyitaly.tours, for all my travel experiences. Ci si vede. Ciao.